The following is a sermon from the Vicar at Sure Foundation, a church located in Woodside, Queens, New York, the world's most diverse community. For more information and for more audio content, go to sure-foundation.org. Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from our service. This text is really, it's for pastors. It's for people who are in my seat at the seminary who want to study to be pastors, but there is so much value that you can learn from this text too. And I want to explore that with you for the next couple of minutes as we go through the sermon. So I would invite you to open up your bulletins to uh, page nine to first Peter five. And if you're at home with us on zoom, uh, open up your Bibles to first Peter chapter five, verses one to four. To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and witness of Christ's sufferings, who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. This is the word of the Lord. My brothers and sisters in Christ, I don't think it's possible to forget the leaders that you've had in your life. I think if I were to give you about 15 to 20 seconds you could probably remember every single teacher that you had growing up through elementary school, through middle school, through high school, maybe some college professors too if you went to college. And you'd be able to say things you liked about them, things you didn't like, ways that they challenged you, ways that they made an impact on you. You don't forget that leader in the classroom. Maybe you played sports. Maybe you were on like a cross-country team or a basketball team or a football team, and you had a coach that really had a good way to get the boys going. And he was a good influence in the locker room, was able to challenge you, to motivate you. And maybe you had someone who was under him, like a captain, a captain who was able to push you to be the best, someone who was able to lead you when things were actually going tough on the playing field. You don't forget those kinds of leaders. Maybe you can remember growing up and going to church and you can remember pastors who said certain words to you, pushed you in the right direction to keep coming to church, pastors who were a good leader and an influence on you. You don't forget the leaders that have been placed in your life. Now this text might be more for me and for the people who study at seminary, want to be under shepherds of the chief shepherds. It's more for the pastors in the parish and in the pulpit. But there is so much value for you to listen to this text because you need to know exactly what I am appointed to do as a spiritual leader and as a spiritual shepherd. And I think there's three important ways that we can see from this text. And God has put a shepherd and a spiritual leader in your life for moments of spiritual isolation, moments of spiritual discipline, and moments of spiritual guidance. And Peter writes this, Peter writes this letter to, to elders, and Peter is a wise old pastor who has seen a couple of things happen throughout the, his life. 
He's seen the culture that has started shifting away from being accepting of Christianity. And now he can see the suffering in the distance and the suffering that's going to come for his people. And now he is so focused on making sure the leadership inside of the church of God, inside of the refuge of God's word is rock solid and is able to give people the assurance and the stability that they need when things start to get tough for them in their spiritual lives, in their physical lives. And Peter feels like he can comfort these people because he says it right here, I'm a fellow elder. I'm one of them. I'm one of you. I'm a sheep. I'm a sheep just following the sheep shepherd, the, the shepherd. I smell like the sheep that I've been with because I've been rolling around in the filth that they've been with. I know you. I know you, my people. And I want to be able to tell you what's going to happen to you. So God bless these people with a shepherd to be able to give them the encouragement that they need when things start to get hard, for care when someone else isn't willing to give them care for them. And God gave them a shepherd for sheep that think that they know how to do it all on their own and think that they've got it all figured out. One area that this text really speaks to is spiritual isolation or spiritual autonomy which is basically thinking that I know how to do everything the best that I need and I don't need any other person to help me. I know the best way to run my life. I know the best way how to get myself positive. I know how the best, the best way to get myself out of a slump and put myself back on the mountaintop and feeling like I've got everything figured out, even if it goes against the will of God. Because what's the point? Why would I need someone to tell me how to figure out my own spirituality when I can just figure it out for myself? What's the point of going to a certain church with a certain pastor when I can go on YouTube and I can look inside every single church and see what kind of sermons and what kind of message they're preaching and I can just kind of court whatever I want to hear and whatever the pastor says, if I like how he looks, how like how he says it, likes how the congregation looks. Where's the spiritual self-discovery in that if someone's going to tell me how to figure out my own spirituality? and not myself, me who knows me better than anyone else in the world. One time, when my family was on vacation in Montana, our main activity for the day was this activity called floating. You ever heard of this? Anyone ever heard of this? Good, I get to explain something to, new to every single person here then. <laughs> the main idea is this, is you grab one of those big, gigantic, big black inner tubes that you ride down on, like maybe behind a boat or something. You put it in the Missouri River, and you just sit on it for hours. You just let the river take you wherever you want to go. There's no agenda. There's no schedule. You can do whatever you want. You can look at the vistas. You can talk to your friends. The current will push you to go. It's the best way to say you've done a whole lot during the day, but not actually have done a single thing. There's no accountability. You're just floating, taking in the vibes. You're just doing, you're doing nothing, but you feel like you're doing everything. Floating. Drifting. Is that how we run our spiritual lives sometimes? Just waiting for the current to push us in the right direction of where we eventually want to go? Because eventually we'll get to the spot. It just might take a little longer. Maybe we'll drift in the faster part of the current. Do we sometimes run our spiritual care and spiritual self-discovery like a lap around the lazy river? 
Just hoping that someone else will push us. Maybe something in our lives will push us to a week of hardcore prayer, but then if we don't need it, then we're not going to do it. There were a lot of God's people in the Old Testament who felt like they knew how to run their lives themselves. The Old Testament is filled with different stories and examples of people who thought they knew how best to lead them. They put into positions kings that looked like them, led like them, fought like them. They found idols that kind of match what they were trying to go for. It seems like all the other people were getting a whole lot out of their spirituality with these idols and everything and the sacrifices. And we're just here. We're wandering in the promised land. Moses, at least there was people in Egypt and we had food. We were in slavery, but at least we had food and we're not in the middle of nowhere. The interesting thing about this text, and the imagery is so powerful, is it's talking about sheep. And I don't know if you know this about sheep, but sheep wander. Do you know why? Because sheep are incredibly stupid. They don't know how to do anything on their own. They need whatever this thing is called, the staff. They need to be prodded and pushed in the right direction. Sheep are so stupid, they would get lost a lazy river. They always think they know how to do things better themselves. They always think they find the ability to push themselves in the right direction. They always want to blaze their own trail, even if it's not the right way for them. So what God did for these people in the Old Testament is he gave them a shepherd. He gave them prophets like Ezekiel and Isaiah who would call them out for their sin, but then also would call them back to their God. He would, they, they would feed them the bitter and the sweet, the things they did not need to hear, but they would also hear how this discipline was important for them because it brought them back to God, brought them back into a relationship with their God. Some of the men here at Sure Foundation, we have been studying this book. It's called Law and Gospel. It's a classic Lutheran theology book by C.F.W. Walther. And a couple of the men who I've been blessed to study this book with, we have been talking about it. And I don't know if you knew this. Sure, you guys have heard of the law and the gospel. But did you know there's about 24 different ways to distinguish between the two? Makes it a little bit more difficult. So some of the men have talked to me and they said, Vicar, I don't know how any of you guys do it. I don't know how you guys know when to press hard on the law, but when to give the sweet, fulfilling gospel to someone. I don't know how you guys can feel like you guys can come up here and be under shepherds of the chief shepherd when there is so much going against us in culture and the world. You see how, have you felt, have you seen as we've been going through this letter for the past two months, how Peter has been shepherding his sheep. He hasn't been sugarcoating anything. He's been, really, he's been real with them. He says, this is what's going to happen, and I need you to be absolutely prepared. I don't care if it's exactly what you want to hear. This is the reality, and this is what you need to know, and I need you to be as prepared as possible. He calls a spade a spade. He calls a sin a sin, even a pastor's sin. And Peter is offering, and he's saying to the elders that they are his people who are to be willing to be there and walk with their sheep when they're ready to admit that there's sin there and when they're ready to admit that there is sin in their lives and there is some damage that could happen if I admit that there is some sin in my life. And Peter is exhorting his people, his elders, his elders 
to be willing to walk with those people and walk them through the damage that might come when they're ready to confess that there's a sin in their life. Can I tell you something, though? This isn't easy. Being a pastor and trying to be a shepherd like Jesus or Peter even, this is not an easy task. Many pastors have failed. Maybe you've heard about some stories that, about pastoral leadership that has gone awry and hurt a whole lot of people. Maybe you know a couple stories that are more personal than you want to share. Doing this is hard. But that's why Peter gives you this text. Peter gives us this text so you can know exactly what a pastor is to do. And if any of you, any of you I'm sure have been in spots where you're supposed to be a spiritual leader. I can think of elders. I can think of serving on our church council. Even being a godly parent. All the demands of what it means to be a godly parent. Trying to keep our children in the right way of going according to God's word when everything around, especially this month of all, everything around us is pushing against what we read about in God's word and get fortified with and strengthened with every single Sunday here at this church. This is not an easy task. That's what spiritual leaders do. Through thick and thin, we feed the bitter and the sweet, the law and the gospel, the things that our people need to hear on their journey throughout this world. There's not a doctor in this entire city, I think, that would allow their patients to write their own prescriptions for you. And I don't know a spiritual leader around here that's going to let you do that either. Discipline is hard, but discipline is so very, very necessary. I should tell you another thing. This is not the first time I've ever had the chance to preach and wrestle with this text. The first time I had a chance to wrestle with this text was my first year at seminary. And what what we're blessed to do at seminary is we get the chance to preach in front of our brothers who are there at the seminary, aspiring pastors, people who want to be in this spot to be under shepherds of the chief shepherd. You get to preach in front of your brothers, but then sitting in the back are all of your professors who have 35 to 40 years of doing this, and they're top-notch guys. So I get up there my first year at seminary with one sermon under my belt, and I get to tell all these people how to be a pastor. This is what you're to do. And all the professors looking at me like, hmm, I don't know if you're equipped for this. Safe to say, I was a little bit nervous for that. I've been blessed to be in a family that has a lot of spiritual leaders, pastors and teachers that have come through the ranks, and they've been able to mold me in certain situations. And when you read about the qualifications to be a spiritual leader, like a pastor in 1 Timothy and in Titus, the words are humbling, sometimes daunting, but they're always accurate. And they lead someone like me and any, I'm sure any pastor in this position to wonder aloud if we're qualified to be an under-shepherd of the chief shepherd, not lording it over our sheep, not doing tasks because we must, but because we are willing. If I'm qualified to do what I've been called to do. So God gave me a shepherd, gave me a pastor. It was a whole lot better than any pastor that you have ever had in your life. 
He gave me a pastor who says that he's a savior, who's a wonderful counselor, who knows all of my faults, all of my temptations, is still willing to look me in the eye. He gives me a savior who's willing to wrap his arm around me, look at the playing field and look at the situation that we're in, and he says, you know what, Vicar? None of these people can defeat me, and they're definitely not going to defeat you. Because God has so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Our victory is sure. Our victory is certain. And that gives me and every other person studying at seminary the ability to be these under-shepherds. All we can do is lead you back to the green pastures of Scripture, the green pastures of the Word and sacrament, the green pastures of our living and resurrected Christ. I know that somewhere out there, maybe it's not in this room, but somewhere in my life, there will be a kid who looks up at me and says, I want to be able to preach Jesus like he does. I want to have the boldness and the confidence to preach like he does. That's humbling. Sometimes that's daunting. But it's always accurate. You never forget the leaders that you have in your life, whether it's the person who led you through school, whether it's the person who led you to a championship, or the person who got you through a really tough time at church. You never forget the names of the leaders you've had in your life. But when that chief shepherd appears, you won't, re, you won't be remembering any of their names because you'll be seeing Jesus who's going to call you by name, who's been waiting for you to come to heaven. And you'll be so thankful for the people that have gotten you there. Pray for your pastors. All they want to do is lead you to that moment that when you see Jesus for the first time at the gates of heaven and he welcomes you with arms so wide, so gracious and so loving. Amen.